What is this? Are you trying to trick me? You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. So let it be written. So let it be done. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. This is a different episode of Storytime today. Essentially, it's a rerun. But it's not really a rerun. When I was growing up, Johnny Carson hosted The Tonight Show. And when he was away on vacation or when something else was going on and he couldn't do the show, he would often have a guest host. But sometimes he would put on an episode called The Best of Carson, which was essentially a rerun. I'm not going to rerun shows for you, but what I've done is I've gone back and I've taken excerpts from various episodes, either my favorite episodes or episodes that you guys have said you really enjoyed, and I've taken some of the stories out of those episodes and compiled them in this, okay, rerun episode. It's a highlight episode. If you haven't heard the stories before, I hope you enjoy them. If you have heard them before, I hope you enjoy them again. But here you go. This is the best of story time. Kids in eighth grade in my day didn't go out on dates by themselves. It was more of a, you can ask her to come to ice cream with us. And that was the way my parents thought dating should work. So that's the way it worked. But I couldn't just ask her at the concert. We had to prepare for it because my mother's rule was, you have to give her at least a week to be ready for the date. Can you imagine that these days? You have to have a week's notice. Now, sometimes that's the case. What are you doing Friday night? Okay, well, okay. How about next Friday? Sometimes it works that way these days. But, you know, a week's notice is so old school, and that was my mom's rule. So I had to call her up a week before the concert and lay the groundwork. Uh, so, Mary, uh, we're going to uh, ice cream after the concert, and uh, I-, I was wondering if you'd like to go with us. Yes, that's Gamer Dude's little boy, little boy voice. If only the conversation had gone that smoothly. It did not. Because, don't forget, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have computers, we didn't have texts. The only way for me to ask Mary out was either to ask her face-to-face in school, which was never going to happen, not with me, I was too nervous, or give her a call. The process of giving her a call involved looking up her phone number in something that a lot of people don't even know still exist, a phone book. So I had to look up Mary's family's name in the phone book and find her phone number because I couldn't ask her for it in school. That would mean actually having to talk to her. And I was a nervous wreck anytime I was near Mary because I really liked Mary. So I found the family name and found the phone number. And then the process was gearing up for the phone call. Now, when I say gearing up, it was a process. First of all, I had to clear out my mother's bedroom. I had to make sure nobody was near the back of the house where my mother's bedroom was. My mom and dad had the master bedroom in the back of the house, and there was a phone extension there. And if I wanted a private call, I had to go into the bedroom, shut the door, and make the call from there. So I had to make sure nobody else was going to make a call, expecting a call, or think about picking up the phone during the period of time that I was going to be on the phone. So I had to make sure. So I went around and polled the family. Mom, are you going to need the phone anytime soon? Okay, is anybody going to call? Okay, well, I have to make a call. And that's how I would lay the groundwork. Then I went into my mom and dad's room, and I would sit on the floor. And I remember this. 
their, the, the bedside table was right next to the bed, and there was a, just a little spot between the bedside table and the bed where you could sit down on the floor and reach the phone and make a call. And I would stare at that phone as I was sitting in that little space, trying to get up the nerve to dial the seven numbers for her phone number. And oh my God, every time I picked up the phone, my little heart was racing. My stomach was churning with butterflies. My hands were sweating. I could feel the sweat pop out on my brow because it meant I was going to have to call up a stranger's house and ask for a girl. It was horrible. But I was excited at the prospect too because she might say yes and then we could sit together and have ice cream and talk. And this was a week before the event. So even if she said yes, I was going to be sweating for a week in anticipation of the family ice cream date. Oh, it was grueling. And I remember vividly, it it had to have taken five minutes of just staring at the phone before I could even dial the number. And back then, it was an actual dial phone. It wasn't a touch tone. It wasn't a speed dial. You had to put your finger in the dial and dial each of the numbers and wait for the dial to rotate back and then dial the next number. And each rotation of the dial just seemed to take both too long and too short a period of time because it took too long and I just wanted to get the call done. And then it took too short because, oh my God, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. The, the call's going to go through. Someone's going to pick up. Oh, somebody's going to. I was panicking. I was panicking. If somebody picked up the phone, what was I going to say? It didn't occur to me that it would be just something as simple as, is Mary there? No, it was, it was going to be some kind of horrific nightmare where somebody would ask me questions. Who's calling, please? And what do you want to do with Mary? What are your intentions? Why should I put Mary on the phone? These are all the things that were going through my head. Somebody evil would pick up the phone and just make me cry on the other end because I was so nervous. It was horrible. It was horrible. Oh, my God. You cannot understand the stress that asking a girl out put on me as an eighth grader. But I got through the dialing. The number went through. And I heard the ringing sound on the other end. And somebody picked up. Is is Mary there? Who's calling? It's uh it's gamer dude. Just a minute. The tension was horrible. I was waiting for Mary to pick up the phone. Oh my god. Oh my god. And I was so tempted to hang up. I was so tempted to hang up out of fear. But I realized as I considered that possibility that I'd already given my name. So she would know that I'd called up and then hung up. So I was in for the long haul. I had to make the call and complete the call and ask her out. Oh my God. The time it took for her to pick up that phone, it was interminable. Oh, every possibility was running through my head. She's talking to her father. Oh, tell him I'm not here. Gamer dude, who's that? Oh, not that guy. These are all the things that were going through my head. But lo and behold, Mary picked up the phone. Hi, Mary. It's Gamer Dude. Um, we're going. We're going. You know, um, next week is the concert, and um, after the concert, we're uh, we um, my mom and dad. Uh, um, we're gonna go get some. We're going out to ice cream. We do that after concerts. And I was wondering uh, if you'd like to go with us. It wasn't that smooth. 
but that's how I remember it because it was smoother in my mind than it actually happened. It was worse than that. But somehow or other, she said yes. Oh my God, she said yes. I was so excited. She wanted to go to ice cream with me and my family. She wanted to go out. It was awesome. And so the next week took, again, too long and too short a period of time to pass. Too long because, oh my God, I wanted to get through that concert and go to get ice cream with Mary. And too short because, oh my God, the concert's coming up and then I have to go to ice cream. I was a nervous wreck. But... (laughs) the concert day came. We got through the concert. I don't even remember the concert at all because, as you might expect, I was slightly distracted. We got through the concert. Mary met us outside the school auditorium at the end of the concert. We hopped in the car and drove the 15 minutes to the ice cream parlor. Mary in the backseat next to me and my brother and sister in the backseat, too. How romantic. (laughs) And we went to the ice cream shop and we sat down and had ice cream. And I don't remember a single thing that we said or did. I just remember being there in the ice cream parlor with a girl and my family eating ice cream. And it was glorious. And I guess that's what my point is about talking about music today, because music makes you feel good. It makes you feel better. It can bring you out of a sad part of your life. It can it can make a dark day brighter. It can make sad times happier. It can make romantic times even more meaningful. And I guess that's what I love about music. Now, I know I talked very quickly about a lot of music today, uh, but I wanted to just give you kind of an overview of my view of music. I can talk about music all the live long day. I can go through my catalog of albums that I've collected over the years. And yes, I have a vinyl collection. We could talk about every title on there. And I probably have a story about half a dozen songs on there. And my digital music collection and my CD collection, it's all the same. Oh yeah, I remember that song because. And you know, that's what we all share. If you like music at all, we share that bond of feeling good about the artists that mean something to us, about the songs that mean something to us. And music evokes those memories. And it reminds us of happier times, sometimes sadder times. But it always brings us back to something that we remember and that was important to us. And I guess that's the power of music to me. One of the other themes that I got from Star Trek is the power of friendship. Friendship is a powerful force. Now, the main friendship in the original series was between Kirk and Spock and McCoy. That bromance, if you will, that bond between them is one of the strongest bonds in all of fiction as far as I'm concerned. The Kirk-Spock-McCoy triumvirate is, is just a powerful grouping of people. Yes, you've got Scotty and Uhura and Sulu The three big ones are Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. And I read this somewhere. I would give credit if I remembered where I read it, but I don't remember because it's been so many years since I've read things on Star Trek. But it's been said that Kirk represents the heart of the Enterprise and the show. And Spock represents the brain of the show. And McCoy represents the soul of the show. And that's really a, a, a very apt description because the three of them arguing amongst themselves about whatever the issue is in the particular episode, 
is part of what makes the show work. The interplay between them, the clear friendship between them, how close they all are. Even though Spock and McCoy bicker all of the time, they are still friends, and they put the bickering beside them when they need to. When Kirk and Spock disagree, they can disagree, but still remain friendly with each other and still work together without hating each other because they have differing viewpoints. And when Kirk needs McCoy, or McCoy needs Kirk, they're there for each other. They play off each other well, they support each other, they need each other. And no matter what their disagreements are, what their differences are, what their different beliefs are, they drop everything to help each other, rescue each other, save each other, support each other when the circumstances require. To me, they exemplify what true friends are. They'll disagree, they'll fight. They'll have problems. They'll share their concerns. They'll share their issues. But they always come back home to the friendship. They're there for each other. No matter what. It's unconditional friendship. It's beyond the command. It's beyond the spaceship setting. What they do is care about each other as human beings. And that's what friends are supposed to do. It's the bond between people who share similar commitments, similar interests, similar values, and you may have disagreements on certain levels of things, but by and large, you can get past those petty little disagreements because you care about each other as people. And whatever your little differences are, or even your big differences are, because of the people that you are, because of the interests that you share, because of the experiences that you've gone through, the friendship stays strong and continues to grow. And you can rely on each other because that's what friends are supposed to do. That's what true friends are there for. And that's what I take from the Star Trek series. And that's why Star Trek was so big to me, because it spoke to me on these levels, these levels of the future of humanity and what's the right thing to do. And when do you help others? And when do you protect yourself? And most importantly, what are friends for? And why do we want them? And why do we depend on them? And why do we need them? Star Trek showed me all of this. And that's why I gravitated towards Star Trek. And I still believe in the positive future for humanity. I believe that there's still good out there in the universe. And I believe that humankind will eventually come together and form maybe not the Federation of Planets, but we will form a unified humanity that strives to better itself and not just the world around it, but the galaxy around it and the universe around it. That's what I truly believe. And that's why I love Star Trek, because it gives me hope. It gave me hope, and it continues to give me hope, because it shows me a future where this goodness, this compassion, this caring for each other is a reality. And that, that is why I love Star Trek so much. This is a list that I made because I've learned the rules of the road. I know what you're supposed to do on the road, and I know that a lot of people don't. The first one is turn signals. For the love of God, use that lever on the left side of your steering wheel, please. It's not a rubber band holder. It's for turn signals. If you're turning left, turn the turn signal on. If you're turning right, turn the turn signal on. It's not a heavy lift. Just push down on the little lever to go left. Click it up to go right. It helps everybody. Please use it. And when we're talking about turning, left turns are not difficult. There are certain things that you're supposed to do when you're turning left, and hardly anybody does them. But if you're driving down the road and you're turning left into a parking lot or a driveway, you're not supposed to swing right and then make your left turn. 
You're not supposed to sit in the middle of the lane and gradually work your way up to where you're going to turn left. What you're supposed to do is get to the point where you're turning left. If you're turning left onto Sycamore Street, get to Sycamore Street, move your car so that you're close to the line in the middle, but not over it, of course. But you're supposed to really get on the edge of that line so the people behind you can go alongside you on the right side and get past you while you're making your left turn. If you make your left turn from the middle of the lane, or God forbid, hanging over on the right side of the lane to make a left turn, you're just selfish. Stop it. Stop it. That's not how you make a left turn. And as long as we're talking about left turns, if you're making a left turn at a light and you have a left turn lane, or even if you don't have a left turn lane, but if you do have a left turn lane, when the light turns green, you are not only allowed to pull into the intersection and make yourself even with the lane that you're turning into, you're supposed to. You don't sit at the light when it turns green and wait there for traffic to clear, because when you do that, you hold up everybody behind you. If you pull your car into the intersection making that left turn, that lets the guy in back of you also pull into the intersection and make the left turn. So that even if you don't have a green arrow and you have to wait for all of the traffic to clear, you get through the intersection and the guy behind you gets through the intersection and that moves the line forward. Sitting at the little white bar there where the light has you wait, that's not what you're supposed to do when you make a left turn. Don't be a jerk. Get into the intersection and make your left turn. And as long as we're talking about left lane things, don't be a left lane hog. What's wrong with you? It's an interstate. It's a state highway with two lanes going in the same direction. The left lane is for passing. It's not for meandering about at the pace you like to go, viewing the scenery. Get in the left lane to pass and then get the hell out. Use the right lane for driving. Use the left lane for passing. It's in the manual. Everybody knows it. Don't be a jerk. Get out of the left lane. The other thing I hate about driving on the highways, and the other thing that makes me crazy, is rubbernecking. Now, some of you may not know what rubbernecking means. Now, use the visual imagery that the words suggest. What is a rubberneck? Well, it's somebody who's got a really long neck that stretches and twists. And when you are a rubbernecker while you're driving, you're looking around at things that you're not supposed to be looking at instead of concentrating on your driving. Rubberneckers are notorious for slowing up traffic when there's an accident or even when there's a cop with somebody pulled over on the side of the road. They have to slow down, crane their necks, and see what's going on over there. Here's a hint. It has nothing to do with you. Whatever is happening, whether it's an accident, whether it's a cop with a speeder off to the side of the road, it has nothing to do with you. Don't slow up traffic so that you can get a glimpse of something that you will forget about in five seconds. You screw up everybody's day by having to rubberneck the accident three lanes over. Just drive. And while you're driving, learn how to merge. Not only you learn how to merge, but let other people merge too. If you've got a lot of traffic going in the same direction, what does it accomplish by not letting the guy on the side of the road who's trying to get onto the highway get onto the highway? What does it accomplish? You get an extra 15 feet of space and you're ahead of them? We're all going five miles an hour. Make room for the people coming onto the highway. It's a courteous thing to do. Why be difficult? Why be a jerk about it? Let people merge. And at the same time, if you don't know how to merge, learn. When I let you in in front of me, take the space. It's not a hard concept. Also, let's remember, 
Green means go. When the light turns green, please go. Please. Don't just sit there texting. Don't just sit there talking on the phone. Don't just sit there adjusting your radio. Don't just sit there waiting for a nicer shade of green. Whatever it is you're doing, if you're behind the wheel of the car, you're supposed to be paying attention to driving. So please do that. And that gets me to my final pet peeve, which is the texting while driving peeve. People do it while they're at the red light because they think it's okay because you're at the red light, so you're not actually driving. Yes, you are. You're behind the wheel. Pay attention. When the light turns green, go. Why? Because you're supposed to. If you don't, you're selfish. You're holding up everybody else's day. It's all about you while you're texting. That's not what you're supposed to be doing when you're driving. You're supposed to be paying attention, getting from point A to point B, not screwing up somebody else's day, and being a safe, responsible human being while driving. Texting while driving is the exact opposite of being a safe, responsible human being because you can't be paying attention to something that happens in front of you, happens to the side of you, somebody trying to merge, somebody trying to pass you, somebody trying to get around you, You are being a selfish jerk when you're texting while driving. Not only that, but it's super dangerous because you're looking down trying to get, oh, I didn't mean to type that. Oh, autocorrect. Oh, you look down for that seven seconds it takes to correct your text message and you could be dead or kill somebody. So don't do that. That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate you listening to all of the episodes, including this best of episode. Hope you liked it. If you have any suggestions or stories you'd like to hear on future best of episodes, just let me know. Message me on Twitter. Whisper me on Twitch. Mention it on Discord on the Storytime channel. Just let me know. We'll find those stories. We'll put them up in future episodes. Thanks again, guys. Until next time, you take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.